Hello everybody, I'm Ian Abernethy and this isn't the latest ianabernethy.com podcast. Uh, this is the Sam Motivation Podcast. So Sammy runs that podcast, it's a new podcast on, uh, well, as motivation as the title would suggest. Uh, he reached out, having read my Mental Strength book a number of years ago and wanted to interview me for that. So it's not about, you know, martial arts as such, although there is a bit about, you know, how the lessons of the martial arts can apply to everyday life. And it, for me, you know, I, I think everything that martial artists do should be practical, otherwise what's the point? And that doesn't just mean, you know, it works in self-defense. It also means that it's practical in being enjoyable for us. And it's practical in improving our health effectively. And it's practical in improving the quality of our lives. You know, martial arts needs to work in its widest sense. So I hope you'll enjoy this, this podcast where we discuss about uh, the comfort zone, uh, the need for uh, for difficulty, the need for measured steps in, in, in progress, uh, dealing with difficult people, dealing with fear. There's lots of interesting stuff in it. So I hope you enjoy uh, this podcast. So I'll now hand you over to to uh, Sammy, and obviously I'll be back with my own podcast uh, soon, okay? Enjoy! This is the Motivation Go to Bed Better Than You Woke Up podcast. And I am your wonderful host, Sammy Wahibi. Thank you guys so much for tuning in for the very first episode that got 132 downloads from about 25 different countries. I really hope you guys enjoyed it. And today I'm going to be doing something a bit different. You may be wondering why I sound like I'm about to fall asleep. And let me give you the answer. I did an advertisement. I was a Kareem captain for the new Lexus LC500 sports car that was featured in the Black Panther movie. I have been doing job interviews, I've been running up marketing proposals for different companies, and I have been working endlessly and tirelessly on the Motivation website and podcast. And I feel like I'm about to fall asleep right now. <laughs> you also may be wondering why you can hear some background noise and kids, babies, and the sounds of car alarms in the background. And I, once again, I'll provide you with a very, very good answer. It's because I'm recording in my apartment. That's right. Some motivation has very, very big ambitions. But for the time being, the reality is I don't have the finances to record in a professional studio. So let's just imagine that you are a guest in my living room and I'm offering you a nice, warm cup of tea with honey. And I don't even know what I'm going on and on about. Anyway... As I said, today is a very unique episode of Some Motivation because I was actually able to interview an author whose book I read over seven, eight years ago. The very first time I read his book, it was when I was in 11th grade. and I found it very randomly in the English section of the National Library in Bulgaria. Now, Ian Abernethy, the name of the author, Sensei Ian Abernethy, is a world-renowned karate master. And I read his book, Mental Strength, Condition Your Mind, Achieve Your Goals, in the 11th grade, when I was going through a very, very rough time in my life. I remember, I recall, as I was reading the book, I went to maybe one of the worst schools, probably in Bulgaria. There was no discipline. There was a lot of disrespect between the teachers and the students. When I would go to class, out of 25 people, I'd be the only person going to class. And teachers would tell me, oh, sorry, Sammy, there just there has to be at least three people in class for me to give you a lesson. 
you're free to go home. So that's how I spent two years, my last two years of high school, I spent them like that, studying by myself at home. While the rest of the students in my class, my classmates, were around the cafes and bars in the school, drinking, smoking, and gambling. So it was a very tough transition for me, coming from a disciplined school where there was a lot of discipline, a lot of emphasis on academics and education, respect for your elders and teachers, and going to this environment. So I remember at the time I was actually kickboxing, one of my favorite sports at the time. And I found Ian Abernethy's book in the library, and the book came at exactly the right time. One day as I was going home, I saw someone from my, from my old school hanging out with some guys from my new school. And I saw him around the corner. I, just saw, I didn't like this guy from my old school in particular. In fact, I'd consider him one of my enemies at the time. And he was talking to this guy, and they just pointed and stared at me and started laughing at me. Like, hey, you, come here. I'm like, no, 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 I'm not going to go. No, no, I'm not going to go. Yeah, you may have heard the baby in the background. But anyway, there were four guys. So in my mind, I'm like, this is going to be, no matter how much, how hard I've trained, four guys against one is never a good idea. Plus, you should never rely on your muscles to solve a problem. So what did I do? The next day, I thought, what would Ian Abernethy do? What would a mentally strong person do? A physically strong person who doesn't have much mental strength and patience would probably go for a confrontation. In my mind, I'm like, this is a losing battle, no matter how hard I've trained. So I went back home and I thought, what can I do? The guy from my old school is probably trying to get the people in my new school to bully me or bother me or insult me for whatever reason. And here's a fun fact. My old school was on the floor below my new school, which meant my reputation from my old school would carry forth into my new school, even though no one knew me there. At the time, I thought, what would Ian Abernethy do in this situation? Ian Abernethy is a 7th Dan member of the British Combat Association, the British Combat Karate Association, and the English Karate Federation. In other words, if you mess with him, he will kick your ass. But the guy is also incredibly smart. So as I was reading his book, I thought, what should I do in this situation? And I thought, maybe I should use my mental strength as opposed to my muscles. That's what I did. The next day, I went to the bar that I knew these guys gathered at. I sat down. I ordered a cup of tea because I love tea. And I waited for one of the guys, the guy who was yelling things at me from my new school. I waited for him to leave the cafe. And then I decided, you know what, I'm going to follow him once he goes out. So once he opened the door of the, of the bar and he left out, I followed him. He looked back and he looked very, very scared because I'd cornered him. The guy was alone. He didn't seem so brave anymore. And I just went up to him and I said, Hey man, my name is Sammy. I'm new here. What's your name? I'm a new student. And he's, we started talking and we found some topics in common and we developed a very friendly relationship from then on. The next day he invited me to lunch. We went out for lunch. So, what did I do in that situation? I diffused a potentially harmful situation, physically harmful situation, and I made a new friend, and I sent a message across to my enemy in the old school. If you try to go against me, even in my new school, I will turn the people who are on your side against you.
do not mess with me. Back to Ian Abernethy's book. His book gave me a very different perspective on myself, on my life, and the choices that I made. Ian Abernethy's book is about the comfort zone and how the life you want, the things you want, the person you want to become is all outside of the comfort zone. Anytime you choose to make a decision or choose to do something or you want to get something that is far greater or what seems impossible or something that scares you, that's exactly the thing you need to do. You need to get outside of your comfort zone. And that is the idea behind Ian Abernethy's book. And I'm very honored to have Ian here with me on the show. I reached out to him a few months back, and here is the phone call interview that we had. Again, it was a tremendous honor to have him with me and be able to discuss the book that really, really changed my mindset and my thinking and is probably one of the reasons why I'm so successful and I've done so many different things in my life. Because I was able to realize that to achieve great things in your life, you need to move past your insecurities, past your doubts, past your fears, and past your comfort zone. But most importantly, past the limits that other people place on you, and past the limits that you place on yourself. So I'd like to welcome to our virtual studio on Zoom, Sensei Ian Abernathy. Ian, welcome to the podcast. Welcome to some motivation. Thank you. Good to be here. It's really, really good to be here with you as well. So I never thought six years ago that I would actually have you on, on a podcast or interview. <laughs> uh, well, I'm, I'm glad to be here. You know, I, I love podcasts myself. You know, the amount of traveling I do, they're always a, a great way to educate yourself while you're on the move. So, um, yeah, the more the better. And I'm very honored to be a part of this one. I'm really happy you're here as well. As you mentioned earlier, you, you, you've had a very busy schedule. You've traveled back and forth to the States, around Europe, giving seminars, and, and not just seminars, but giving enlightenment to martial arts enthusiasts around the world. So once again, Ian, thank you so much for making the time to come on the podcast. Yeah, of course. That's really nice to hear, by the way. You know, you, you write these books in the hope that it does reach people and help people. Um, but you kind of, it gets thrown out there and I've had, you know, a few people kind of get in touch over the years, but it's nice to know that you, how you found the book and that you found it useful. That's, 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 that's great. The mission accomplished. Well, that's always been the aim. You know, I think a big, big part of, well, the martial arts as I see them, obviously they've got a, a combative function and a practical use, a self-defense use. But I, I think they're also a, a good vehicle for self-improvement and for testing your limits for pressure testing your character and finding out where any weaknesses can be. And there's lots of lessons that you can learn from within the martial arts that apply to you know, everyday life. And that was the aim of that book really, was to try and take those, those lessons that, that I've learned and found useful and condense them in a way that would be uh, ex uh, usable by everybody, not just martial artists. That was the intention. And I can totally relate to what you're saying because character is everything. In fact, in the past, I used to, I used to do martial arts myself. So I've been involved with karate, with taekwondo, with kickboxing. And the most interesting thing is that it's not, of course, the effect that these arts have on your body, on your physical strength is tremendous and massive. But the, the really big effect comes on your character, on how you feel about yourself, how you deal with issues in your life, how you deal with stress, how you deal with all sorts of situations or obstacles that you might face at some point in your life. But if we just look at the chapters in your book, what is mental strength? What is mental resistance, overload, the importance of consistency, the necessity of discomfort, you are what you think, the importance of action. Yes, yeah, yeah. So I think the logical question to ask, since your book is on the comfort zone, is how do you define the comfort zone? What is the comfort zone? 
Well, I think this is this is where most people um, wish to spend most of the time. Comfort is nice, so there's nothing wrong with wanting comfort. The, the, the trouble with it is that it, if we stay where we already are and do what we can already do and, and live the life that we already feel comfortable with, then nothing is ever going to change. You know, it's a, a quote attributed to Einstein where he said that the definition of insanity is doing the same things over and over and expecting different results. So if, if there's any element of you know people's lives and whatever it happens to be that they're not happy with, then there needs to be some change made. And generally speaking, people don't like change. You know, they, they tend to be comfortable with with where they are. So the comfort zone is it's, it's a uh, a nice place to be, but it's not a productive place to be. So you know, the person that you know gets in from work every day and then decides, okay, I'll sit in front of the couch and I'll eat junk food and I'll watch TV. As as comfortable as that may be, it's not going to lead to any progress or advancement or any improvement. And I think the, the kind of key message of that is that if, if you want to advance, then you're going to have to accept that that's going to be an uncomfortable process. And, and, and people sometimes don't want that message. They want, you know, the quick fix, but it just doesn't work that way. Any, any change, any change is, got, is going to require discomfort. So that, that, that was the, the point of, you know, just getting people to realize that, that comfort's pleasant. It's not always good. And why do you think going out of the comfort zone is necessary? Like you said, you know, it's a comfortable place to be in. After a long day of work, you don't really plan on, I don't know, going to the gym, uh, working on a book, working on a seminar, attending a class that will advance you intellectually, maybe spiritually, physically. What's the point of going out of your comfort zone if being in it is so comfortable? Uh, you already experienced everything that you can ever possibly experience in it. You're not afraid of facing something unknown. Why is it necessary to go out of the comfort zone? Well, if you wish to make, well, the thing is the comfort zone expands. That, that's, that's the thing. So, I mean, in the book, as you know, I, I use the analogy of weightlifting quite a lot because I think it's one that people intuitively get. So, for, for example, you know, I've, I've been weightlifting since I was like 16 years old. Um, and what is comfortable for me to lift now is, is <laughs> what would have crushed me as that 16-year-old boy. You know, I mean, I remember when I first started physically training, I could do five push-ups. That, that was the, what I could manage. That was my maximum. Stay within the comfort zone, you always do two or three, you know. But, and and the, the trouble with that is obviously it just leads to no advancement whatsoever. Whereas if we're prepared to accept um, the right amount of discomfort, it's not throwing ourselves way beyond the comfort zone. As I mentioned in the book, there's what I call the zone of development, which is just outside the comfort zone. So if we move outside there, what happens is we develop skills, attributes, whatever it is that we want to do, and the comfort zone will start to expand. And then once we find, okay, I've advanced a little bit, my life's a little bit better, I've shaped things a little bit more, now's the time to again edge on again. So it's just like physical exercise or diet or anything like that. It's lots of small incremental gains. And, but if people don't change anything, and if they don't accept that there will be that need to move beyond what you can already do, then there's no advancement out there beyond that. So if we want to improve our lives, improve our situation, improve our health, then we've got to accept there's going to be some discomfort that comes with that. And, and, and the fact that if we do something and it makes us a little bit uncomfortable, that's a good sign that we're moving in the right direction towards a better future. Well, I, I think so. And this is, um, and it, it's acknowledging that, I think, that, that if you're doing what you've already done. So say somebody listening to this might decide, you know, that... Um, uh, like, you know, I'd, I'd like, like, like write a book, you know, I'd like to start writing a book. Well, you can sit and think about it forever and, and you won't get a single step close to having a published book. It's those little incremental steps. And I think sometimes people forget that as well. With any kind of success, it doesn't happen immediately. 
you know, anyone who's been successful knows that you need to chip away at things and it's, it's a slow kind of uh, process. And it's a, that just being prepared to, to step outside what we can already do, what we already know, and taking those small incremental steps towards our, uh, our goals. Because that's how it's done. That's what success is. That's how we find it. It's not waiting for it to land in our lap or it's not taking one stride and suddenly finding ourselves at our destination. It's lots of lots of small kind of incremental steps. That, that's how we're going to make progress. Yeah, they say the journey of a thousand miles begins with a single footstep. So the most difficult part in starting anything, be it a book, a seminar, making that sales call, uh, asking someone out even, you know, it's all about taking that first step, just doing it without thinking about, you know, what could go wrong. And I think this would actually, this is actually a very good segue into something else that I want to ask you. So in your book, you mentioned the fight or flight response and the anxiety and stress that we feel whenever we face you know, a situation that's outside of our comfort zone. And so you say it's because our brain can't tell the difference between something that's actually threatening towards our life and something where the worst that can actually happen in this particular situation is just embarrassing ourselves. <laughs> yeah, well, that's it. I think what we have is we have a Stone Age emotional system yet we live within a modern, modern age. So if you, if you take the example of embarrassing yourself, in the modern world, that's not going to be fatal. You know, in tribal past, it could have been. If, if the tribe decided they didn't want you to be part of the tribe anymore, that could be fatal. You know, that, 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 you, you need other people in order to hunt and provide, and you need to be part of the group. Well, our emotional development hasn't caught up with our societal development. So our bodies respond to these threats as if they were life-threatening. You know, you get that flight-to-fight um, response triggered. Um, I also think fight-to-flight is not really complete either because there's a, there's a freeze element to it as well. You know, pretend to be still and hope it hasn't seen you. Yeah, well, that's, you know, and it, that's what people feel when they want to try something new. So say somebody said, you know, I want to be a singer or a stand-up comedian. So if they stand up on stage and make a complete fool of themselves, that's all part of the process. That's all part of learning. You know, if you're a person who's done no shows, when you've done one show, you're one step forward to the person who gives confident performances, you know. But on that, that first occasion, you, your body will perceive that as almost like a, a life-threatening thing. You know, if the tribe disapproves of you, you could get kicked out of the tribe and then our bodies tend to respond. And I think it just needs to be that element of, of, of realizing that the, the worst that can happen is we make a fool of ourselves. That isn't going to be life-threatening. And also just being aware that when our bodies do these things, it's not, it's not a bad thing. See, our, our ancestors will have felt fear in the same way that we feel hunger and fatigue today. But when we feel fear nowadays, I think we, we overreact to it. We, we, uh, it's all oh, this terrible thing and there must be something horribly wrong. Because I mean, fear is supposed to feel bad. Because it's it's supposed to guide us away from that saber toothed tiger. It's there or to protect us, basically. Or, yeah, that's what it is. Yeah, but but unfortunately, in in the modern world, it gets triggered at inappropriate times. So we need to get used to this idea of oh, you know, I feel a little bit jumpy, and I can feel my heart beating a bit faster, and my, my mouth feels a bit dry. And, eh, it's no big deal. You know, I, I can I can push through that. And and uh, there's a lovely line. I don't know if you have, there's a movie called The Three Kings. It's a, a Mark Wahlberg's in it. And, uh, Ice um, Cube and um, a, a few of the well-known actors. But there's a bit in it where they're about to go out to war and this guy goes, oh, I'm terrified, I'm scared. And George Clooney's character turns to this guy and says, yeah, well, after you've done it, the fear will go away. And he says, well, that's dumb. He says, it should be the other way around. He goes, yeah, it is dumb, but that's just the way it works. <laughs> a great scene, because that, that's true. You know, if people are scared of something, that fear will be there forever until they step towards the fear. 
and then, then generally, you know, I mean, for example, public speaking, because I do it so much, doesn't bother me at all, but it did. It was, it was something I found very nerve-wracking. But because I've, I've done it that often, that the fear of that has disappeared, my comfort zone has expanded to the point where I'll happily stand in front of hundreds of people and speak, and it doesn't bother me at all. But, but that's a bit, again, that's that idea of stepping outside that comfort zone, taking those small incremental steps. So if you wanted to be a good public speaker, don't, you know, try and speak in front of a thousand people on your first goal, speak in front of six. And when, when you can do that, then try 12, a dozen people. And when you can do that, try 30 or 40, you know, and, and these small incremental steps are how we kind of make that, that progress. And then the fear will subside. You, the, the, as you advance towards it, it disappears. When you decide not to do something because you're afraid to, the fear actually grows even bigger. and You become even more scared to do it. Instead of facing yes. it head on and diving in into that experience, kind of like a bird getting kicked out of the nest, you know, before it knows how to fly. If you just stay in the nest, you're not going to grow. In fact, you'll become more and more afraid of flying or in, in, any, in any other situation, be the same exact thing. Yeah, no, that's, that's definitely true. I think, um, I mean, there's a difference. I would describe it as um, we have um, cognitive anxiety, the, the fear of our brain. And then we have like the somatic anxiety, the, the, the adrenal response, the fear of the body in the body. And if we can separate those two, I think that really helps because what can happen with the paralysis is people are about to try something and they, their body responds with that, that fear um, feeling. And then if the brain goes, oh, that doesn't feel good. Something's very wrong here. I'm very scared. I'm not up to this task. I don't feel confident. As soon as that cognitive thing starts to happen, well, the body says, oh, wait a minute. This threat was even bigger than we thought. Let's give it more adrenaline. So, so you think, oh, wow, I'm even more scared now. And before you know where you are, you get into this loop where you kind of paralyze yourself with fear. And if we're able to insert a little wedge there where when the body responds and we go, ah, that's normal, that's natural. It's, I'm glad that I'm feeling that way. It'll make me a bit sharper. And I know that that feeling will pass if I march towards it. If we can separate, if we can observe that fear without becoming the fear, um, that's when we can make those good steps. So like Custom Arthur, the famous boxing trainer, used a pretty beautiful phrase where he said, um, uh, fear is the friend of exceptional people. So if you want to be an exceptional person, make a friend of fear. Oh, yeah, that's it. I mean, as one of my uh, martial arts teachers said, he said, um, it feels like your enemy, but it's your friend. Yeah, so it's just, just realizing that it's, like I say, it's as normal and natural as, as hunger or feeling sleepy. And, and, and it shouldn't be a reason um, to prevent people from achieving the goals. You know, listen to it. It's, you know, listen to what it's trying to tell you and take sensible, measured steps into, in, outside the comfort zone. Um, but when you do that, again, eventually the feel will subside as your confidence, your skills, your abilities start to grow. And something that I wanted to mention, you talked about accepting fear. And this is a universal element of Eastern philosophical traditions when it comes to meditation, for example, in Buddhism or Hinduism. The moment you meditate, your body goes through many different changes. You experience many different emotions in your body, many different thoughts. But the key to a meditation session is not to push the thoughts away or the feeling or the, or the anxiety away, but to actually observe it and accept it. Because when you try to resist it, you end up actually amplifying the effect it has on your body. Because basically what you're telling yourself is, no, this feeling is wrong. It, it shouldn't be here. But what you say in your mm. book is that, you know, this feeling is actually a, it's a sign. Fear is a sign that you're moving towards your dreams. You're moving towards your goals. You're moving towards progress. If fear is not there, it means you're just stuck in your, in your comfort zone. You're not making or contributing to anything new. You're not achieving anything new. No, that, that, that's right. I mean, so if, if I mean, there's, 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 
for example, if I saw like a tiger running towards me, I would feel fear, and it's probably a bad <laughs> idea to run towards the tiger, right? So yeah. our our, uh, our our fear does serve a legitimate purpose, and I, I, the way I tend to visualize it, I always think of it like um like a kingdom. I want, I want my my higher self, if we can use that term, I want the best possible me to be the king of that kingdom. Now that king should listen to all his advisors, and when that watchman, that fear says, "Wait, wait, wait," you know what? The listener is. It should listen to what that watchman's got to say. But, but it, it doesn't have to follow its instructions. You know, that, that's the thing. You can go, right, I've heard what you say, but I'm the king, right? So you've got your vested ideas. You've got your particular viewpoint, but I'm going to get the big picture, and that's the way we're going to progress. So I think that that's, you know, you listen to the fear, and you can feel it. There's nothing wrong with it. It's totally normal and natural. That, that people tend to think it's just them, I think. If they feel fear, that, oh, I'm a coward, and I'm weak, and I bet not everyone else. But everyone feels the same way. Everyone feels fear. Um, so, so it's just listening to it, acknowledging it, and then not becoming it. Just going, right, I've heard you. I'll, I'll decide whether I think you've got a valid point or not. And then progressing. No, absolutely. And knowing as well. And you, don't, you only have to do this a couple of times to, to, for the process to prove true, is that um, it dissipates. You know, I, I, as you move towards that, un, that false fear, if you like, it dissipates. And I, I will guarantee everyone listening to us will, will know that. So anything that they've got in their life where they think, you know, yeah, no, this, this is a good thing, whether it's uh, I love my partner or I love my children or I love the job I've got, where anything they enjoy, at some point there will have been a fear that they have to step beyond. So if they're a parent, is oh, will I be a good parent? Will it be able to change it? Will I be able to provide for this child? Is that fear is there. Or, or starting a relationship, will this person reject me if I ask them out? You know, what are they going to think about me? Blah, blah. There's all of that. Or the job, you know, I go for a job interview and you feel a bit nervous. What if I don't get it? What if I make a fool of myself? You know, anyone can point to anything good in their life. At some point, if they analyze it, they'll have to step beyond fear. And if you just make a habit of doing that, then that leads to very powerful places. I feel like people have this fear of being authentic or genuine around other people. So they, they begin to think things like, oh, well, if, if, if I'm afraid, if I'm hesitating, then it must mean that I'm a loser, that I'm a coward. And then I don't deserve the reward that's behind this fear. There's actually an opportunity hidden disguised in this fear. No, I'm, I'm with you there. I, 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 I get that, that, that point. I, I think that um, we, we live in a society where um, it's always portrayed that only um, the, the, the weak people feel fear. You watch an action movie, you never see a point where the, the superhero or, the, or the, the hero of the piece, or rarely do you, see a point where they're absolutely terrified and scared. They always seem competent and able and everything else. And, and, and because we can only ever fear our own, uh, feel our own feelings, we tend to assume that we're the only ones that have that fear response. But it's a wonderful, yeah, then it's a wonderful thing about the martial arts with that as well as you can't, if you're, if you're going to step on a mat with someone and have them swinging punches at one another, you, you, you can't kid yourself or anybody else that the fear is not there. You have to accept that, you know, I, we, we all feel this. It's, it's, it's normal and it's natural and everybody feels it. So I, I, again, I think that, that's, that's a, another almost like attempt by our own weaknesses to kind of drag us back into the comfort zone again. You know, it kind of tries to talk to us and, no, don't do that. Don't do that. You know, other people do that. More confident people than you do this. You're too scared. You, you leave that to the more confident people. Well, any, again, I think if anyone's honest, if they've achieved anything, they will tell you, no, no, it was terrifying the first time I did it too. You know, I think that's pretty much a, a, a universal message that everybody feels fear. Apart from, you know, a very small pe percentage of people who have severe mental issues. You know what I mean? Like for, for the vast majority of people, everybody feels fear. And, and it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a good thing. It's a good thing. Just don't let it limit you.
Our minds have, have developed and evolved over the centuries, but our bodies have not kept up with the mind. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, the modern world is, is, is very different from the one that our ancestors faced even a few generations ago. So I say the fear gets falsely triggered by all kinds of things. The advantage that they will have had is fear will have felt, again, if they are hunting, they'll have felt fear and adrenaline on a day-to-day -day basis. You know, it's... So we tend to respond to it, I would guess. We'll, we'll respond to it in a much stronger way. But I think that's a huge thing. If people can just accept that it's normal, it's natural, it's as natural as feeling sleepy or thirsty. Um, it's, it's, there's nothing wrong with you for feeling it. Everybody feels it. And then just to take that measured step towards it, and what you'll find is it dissipates. And then you realize that you have power over your fear rather than the other way around. And again, that's a very powerful thing. And you only need to do it a couple of times before you get convinced of the process. And I would imagine that, more, as I say, most people listening to this will have done it. They just need to remember that fact that they, they did that thing that was slightly scary and it paid off. And, and then that, that thing isn't scary anymore. So again, it's just getting into the habit of, right, okay, where do I want to go? And every time that fear pops up, I'll just take a gentle measured step into it and I'll marinate in that feeling, but I won't let it stop me. So I've gotten in the habit of always doing things that, so the moment I feel that something makes me scared or I feel afraid about doing something, I go ahead and do that thing. That's generally great advice. Like I say, people, obviously, you know, as I mentioned, there are some fears that are totally legitimate. If I was going to jump off a cliff without a bungee cord or a parachute jump, I'd mean I should do it. Um, if, if, you, if you decide, like, whatever it is, you know, a person's dream is, if, if you decide that you want to do that, there will be fear along the way. So people feel rejection. So if you wanted to be an author, when you start sending that manuscript out, there might be that, oh, well, what if everyone tells me I'm no good? What if everyone tells me I'm rubbish? But, but, but again, if you just go, okay, well, I'll do it anyway. Don't let the fear stop you. Anyone who's successful at anything will have felt that fear at some point. And the reason they've achieved is because they managed to step past it. And there's no reason why you can't do the same. You know, Ian, even reaching out to you and having you on the podcast, even interviewing you right now, I felt a bit nervous before doing it because I really felt like I, w I definitely went beyond my comfort zone. I'm really glad I did because I'm learning so much from you. Oh, my, my pleasure. I mean, I, I, I always love the opportunity to, to be able to talk about this, this kind of stuff, you know. So I, I, um, and it's, it's a simple process. There's nothing magical about it, I think. Um, and that's, that's what I've learned. I mean, I'm, I travel the world teaching my martial arts. I, I, I live a very unusual but very satisfying existence. And, and it's simply because in my, in my youth, I, I spotted this process that if I could just take these little incremental steps, if I accept the words of fear, then it, it leads you to, to good places. And it's, it's something that anyone can do. And obviously, like you said, you know, this is the, like you start a, a new podcast, so it's a new thing. There's going to be that stepping outside of the comfort zone. And you can guarantee for every person who started a podcast, there's been a thousand who thought, oh, I'd like to do that, but then talk themselves out of it. You know, when you go beyond your comfort zone, you not only begin achieving greater things, but you also attract far greater attention. Well, not all the attention that we receive is positive. How do you respond to a foe or what rappers would call a hater? <laughs> <laughs> I was uh, reading your book and the very same day I was uh, I was weightlifting in the gym actually weightlifting is something that I really enjoy doing there's this random guy who I've spoken to a few times in the gym I don't know him very well but at the moment I just graduated from university I'd gotten maybe 60 70 80 rejection letters from all the jobs that I applied to yet I kept on pushing and persevering and this guy just came up to me started talking to me 
And he told me, hey, did you travel for the holidays? I'm like, no, I just came back actually to Doha. I've been here for a week now. And he's like, oh, so you didn't travel? I'm like, no, no, I didn't travel. I've been out of Doha. But what he responded was, he's like, of course you didn't travel because where would you get the money from? Very first thing that came up to me, like I felt the anger going through my body. I felt upset to that person, you know, someone who I barely know and he's coming and saying these things to me. And then I realized something you said in your book. So on page 125, you say that people who revel in the failure of others are of limited development and extremely unlikely to have made any progress in their lives. They're not the person they'd like to be. They generally feel completely helpless and powerless to change the situation and firmly believe that they're at the mercy of the world around them. The best they may feel may be a momentary feeling of esteem when they see others fall. When other people are successful, it reminds them of their own failings and, and the unhappiness of their current situation. The failure of others, therefore, gives them a brief respite from the feelings of inadequacy and helplessness. So when I read this in your book, it gave me a very different perspective on what was happening. In situations like these, how, would, how do you respond to a foe or someone who sets themselves up as an adversary for no particular reason other than the fact that they're jealous of you? One of my martial arts teachers has a phrase which he said, uh, masterful inactivity. And I thought it was a lovely, wonderful way to, to, to express it. Because um, <laughs> like, like this is all our phrase, never wrestle with a pig because you both end up covered in muck and a pig like it. Well, it's another way of putting it, you know. Yeah. So, so is it, is it, is it, there's an att attempt to kind of almost drag you down to their level. And, and if you, uh, re and the, the feelings of, of anger and, um, wanting to put your own point across are entirely natural or entirely understandable. But, but if, if you succumb to them, then you instantly drop down to their level, you give them the satisfaction that they need, and it does absolutely nothing to advance your own position. So um, my, my, my way of dealing with it is just to, just to let it go. Just don't, don't let it affect me at all. It's like water off a duck's back. It's easier said than done, and it takes practice. Because I remember when I first started like writing martial arts books and things like that, I would get criticism. You know, I would get people writing nasty things about the internet. And I would get people that even people that I admired saying, you know, nasty things about me and all this kind of stuff. And it, it, it can get to you, it can upset you. But, but what you realize is it only can have an effect if you let it have an effect. You're ultimately in charge of your own emotions. So if you just, you know, just let it go. Um, that can, and little things I used to do like if somebody read something horrible I'd, I'd print it out I'd draw a big smiley face on it with a fluorescent bark and pin it onto my wall you know I'd just <laughs> leave it there until it no longer bothered I made a joke of it you know and so just big circular smiley face written on it stuck it on the wall and when I, I could look at it and it didn't bother me I'd take it down and put it in the bin that is a great so, way to deal yeah. with it the Japanese say that sometimes the best action is an action well, I think that, that, that's true, you know, and that, that's why I think that is masterful inactivity. Because sometimes the hardest thing to do is nothing, especially if someone's desperately trying to provoke you. Your success brings out their feelings of inadequacy because you shine so brightly, whereas they're stuck in your shadow. They're not living the life they want to live. They don't feel satisfied with themselves. They have a lot of issues going on inside that maybe we're not able to mm. see through the uh, criticism that they give us or through the bad treatment or, and so on. I mean, all those things, or they might think, you know, you're a threat to their position and things like that, but confident, secure people generally don't feel the need to make other people feel bad. So the, the, the very fact that they're seeking out to do that tells you that there's something going on there. Um, and the best advice I could give to anyone that is just, just ignore it, you know, just, just, just ignore it. I mean, sometimes, you know, when people criticize you, that they have valid points and they can have useful bits of information and none of us are infallible, so it's always good to listen to our critics. 
we don't want to be blind to our fault. But but if it's done not with the intent of helping, if it's done with the intent of ripping you down, then the best to do is okay, just completely ignore it. Just re- see for what it is. It's not a genuine attempt to help. It's 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 a, a emotional need that they have, and there's no value, no benefit to you in, in, in playing along with that. Exactly. There's no benefit at all. And the way I deal with these situations is I don't look at the words a person is telling me. I look at the intention behind those words. Where is that person coming from? And why are they saying what they're saying? That way I feel like I am, I'm in power and these words have no effect on me. Because if, if, I, if I'm able to see, for example, that the person has really good intentions, that they're critiquing my work, they're genuinely interested in seeing me do well, you, you feel really good about it. And you also feel good if you see someone who's criticizing you, but you're able to see where, where that criticism is coming from. If it's intended to be malevolent and it's just directed towards you for the sake of trying to release that internal negativity that they, they, they host towards themselves, then you don't really let it affect you anymore. That's right. I mean, we're easier said than done, you know, because, but that, that has to be the thing, you know, when, when there's that little part of you that's screaming that, you know, you want to shout back or you want to write a response and something like that, if you can, again, insert that gap and just maintain that control and do nothing. It generally leads to a, you know, a far better position. You know, and so again, you know, when people do step outside the comfort zone, it's worth remembering that you share that comfort zone with other people. And, and when you take a step out, even people close to you can sometimes feel um, scared by that or threatened by that because you're changing their world because you're changing you. And, and, and again, you know, you can reissue with them and if that's necessary and that helps. But there may also come a point where you have to realize that people's uh, close to you um, aren't prepared to make that journey with you as well. So what they're trying to do is drag you back and then because you've got decisions to make about how that relationship's going to progress. So there's, there's lots of reasons why people will do it and, and we need to listen. But if, it, if it's only just a chance to an attempt to, uh, to rip you down to do with their securities or their insecurities, then it's, it's generally best, um, uh, best ignored, you know, seeing it for what it is and realizing that we don't have to listen to everything that everyone says. Not everyone's opinion about us is valid. Yeah, I think it's important to see the value and in every single statement that someone makes about us or every statement they make to us. It's important to look at the value because I'm sure there's value in every single thing that people say to us. Regardless whether it's good or bad, there is some kind of value. There's something positive about it. Well, there can be. I mean, this is it. So let's say you have someone whose sole intention is to make you feel small. Um, and then you can ask, well, why are they doing that? And the reason is obviously because they consider you significant. So again, the old phrase, no one kicks a dead dog. You know what I mean? It's, 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 you're doing something that matters, which is why those people are having a response to it. You're causing a response. So sometimes even a negative response can be a positive thing because you go, okay, I'm having an influence. You know what I mean? People feel that my opinion on this or my action on this is significant. Otherwise, they, they wouldn't deem uh, trying to attack it or rip it down or whatever it happens to be. And as I say, sometimes even you know, your worst critic can give you can say something where you think actually they may have a point there so again i think it's just always looking for how can i use this to my, to my own benefit you know that, that that's the key thing what what can i learn from this and again if you get into the habit of doing that while still positively marching towards the end goal again it makes you into a powerful person you say in your book that people normally attack others from a position of helplessness but how do you deal with let's say criticism coming from people who are dear to us what you call in your book friendly fire how do you deal with Someone who tells you something like, for example, let's say things I heard when I told people that I want to start a podcast. Sammy, you have no experience making podcasts. Who would listen to you anyway? You should just give up before you get disappointed. 
things like yeah. <laughs> and uh, the thing is i've run two national radio shows here in doha qatar so maybe i don't have the podcasting experience but i already have the radio hosting experience and i actually produced my own show with 20 different ambassadors here in qatar not to mention that i did feel a lot of mental resistance when i was first getting started there are many people who told me oh you're wasting yes. time why would you do this you could be doing something else things like don't get your hopes up too high basically Yes. Well, well, I mean, again, they're reflecting how they view things. I remember when I um, left my job to be a, a full-time martial arts instructor, I had some very close friends that I worked with. They were, oh, please don't do this, Ian. This is insane. Why, why are you giving up a good job? Why, why are you doing it? And, and their intention is not malevolent. Their intention is to protect you, to help you. Um, they, but they're viewing it from their own perspectives often, and, and that, that they, they may feel very happy in their particular comfort zone. So, again, I think it's always just a matter of, of, of listening to what they've got to say and, and, and but not letting it stop you, not, not letting it kind of um, affect you. And then reassuring them as well, you know, because like the, the, they're obviously they're doing it from a position of love and a position of caring from you. So it's nice to say, yeah, okay, I know I've thought about this and, and this is what I want to do. And I really appreciate your concern, but you don't need to worry. I'm, I'm, I've, I've thought about this and I know where I'm going with this. And I'm prepared for these eventualities. So it's worth obviously reassuring people, um, especially those close to you. But, but again, the danger is, you know, we've got to live our lives and, and not let others live it for us. And because something may be scary to them, doesn't necessarily mean it would be scary to you. It's just always kind of trying to put things in perspective, I think, is the key thing. And Ian, you know, many things have changed in your own life since you've started, since you published Mental Strength. If you could add a new chapter to the book and update it, what would it be on? Um, I, to be honest, I, I don't think that um, I, I, I would. It's one of the, the the martial arts books that I've written. Obviously, views and opinions evolve on on those. But the, I mean, I, I would hope to think in that time I've improved as a writer, so I could maybe write it a little bit better. But in terms of the chapters and the way it's structured, I'm still kind of fairly happy with that. I, I think it's a fairly uh, complete picture and people find it understandable and simple enough. And, and since then, obviously, you know, that was 10 years ago, something it was written. So life has moved on and got better and I've grown in certain areas, but it's still just applying the same process. I think the thing about that book as well is one of the best bits of feedback I've had is from people who've read it is, is people read it and go, yeah, of course. Yeah, I, I know this. You know, so I think it's something we all intuitively know. It's just nice to be reminded of it by an external source. I think. So I, I, I'm quite happy with, with, with that one. I would maybe improve some of the writing and I've got some new stories to tell and life experiences to illustrate the points. But I think the structure of the book still holds up pretty strongly, I think. Definitely. And people see a lot of value in your books. So actually, my mom just texted me while we're having this call. And she told me I'm reading uh, Ian Abernethy's book right now. It's a really good book. <laughs> Make sure you say hi to Mr. Abernethy. <laughs> Oh, say hi to your mum for that. It's really kind. You know, it's, uh, <laughs> I definitely will. I definitely It's a long time since I, I, I wrote it, but it's nice to hear that it's still out there and it's still helping people. I mean, that was, the, as I said in the book, it was one of my martial arts instructors who encouraged me to, to put pen to paper and to, to write that book. And I'm, I'm pleased that it's, it's still out there and it's still helping people and people are still finding... Uh, using it. That, that's really great to hear. So I'm glad your mum likes you. That's great. How can people learn more about you and get in touch with you? Do you have a social media page maybe? Yeah, yeah. 
Well, I'm pretty easy to find. So, um, well, apart from the spelling of my names, I, I, I have a, a Scottish maternal grandmother who was devastated that her first grandchild was born on the wrong side of the English Scottish border. <laughs> so, you know, so English, but and only just. So, so as a result, I have a, a Scottish spelling of my of the Ian. So it's I A I N. And then Abernethy, A-B-E-R-N-E-T-H-Y. Um, so there's ianabernethy.com is the website. Uh, Facebook.com forward slash Ian Abernethy will take people to my page. I'm on Twitter, um, at Ian Abernethy. Um, so I've got my own podcast as well. You know, so people search that on like iTunes or they'll find that there as well. So, um, so lots of different things, you know, that people can get in touch. And my email address, if anyone wants to... Uh, to get in touch is Ian spelled the same way at ianabernetti.com so I'm, I'm fairly easy to find Ian it's been an absolute honor to have you on the show and like I said earlier I never thought six years ago while I was reading your book that I would actually get the opportunity to speak to you and discuss some of the things in your book so I'd like to thank you so much once again for taking part in the podcast that's my pleasure yeah, I've enjoyed it it's always nice to chat these things through so thank you very much for inviting me on